Welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sal Interdonado. The Black Knight Nation podcast is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a company that is founded by Joe Ross. Joe Ross is former Army fullback. Joe Ross is a, a former Army football coach and a former Army officer. Former Army officer, too. And we uh, thank Joe Ross for uh, supporting the Black Knight Nation podcast. And we have two special guests today. We have Achille King and Will Huff. They're going to talk about their playing days at Army. They're going to talk about us, an organization called uh, Soldiers to the Sidelines that they're involved with. And uh, I just want to welcome Achille and Will into our podcast. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks, Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, first off, we usually start the podcast about the journey to West Point. And for so many, everybody has a different story, right, about how they got to West Point and maybe how it all got started for you guys. Um, maybe, Will, you can um, start us off with, like, the journey, your journey to West Point, and then we'll get into, like, a little bit of f- football talk, um, and then we'll get into what you guys are doing now for uh, Soldiers to the Sidelines. Great. Thanks, Sal. And like many of my you know, teammates, uh, as well as the Army Football Brotherhood, my, my path to West Point was getting recruited by a gentleman named uh, Charlie Taft who was an outstanding coach at Army and then went on to have great success both at the Citadel, uh, the CFL, and several other institutions. But that was the first time I really thought of, you know, academy football, Army football. And I went to the prep school, like many of us, and there I had some great coaching to include a gentleman named Pete Edmonds, who I maintain contact with to this day. And that's, I think, one of the themes throughout the Army Football Brotherhood. And then I was very fortunate to play for Coach Jim Young and really a great cast of coaches as well as teammates, both from upperclassmen all the way down through those, you know, underclassmen as I continue to progress. So my time at Army Football from 1986 to 1989 is just filled with great memories of my teammates, of our experiences You know, we had some success. We had one really good season, 1988, and then I played on some average teams. But even those average teams are just lifelong memories of the brotherhood, fighting through adversity, and lessons that I try to apply not only to my Army career, but also continue on just life lessons. And I'm very grateful for that Army football brotherhood. I think we timed this podcast uh, perfectly, Will, because your senior year – you guys, I believe, played Wake Forest and beat Wake Forest. And this week, you know, that's Army's opponent on Saturday at Mikey Stadium, a, a ranked team coming to Mikey Stadium. We can talk about those memories in a second. But let's bring in a, let's uh, bring in Achille. And Achille, how did Army, how did Army uh, discover you? Uh, it's actually a pretty funny story. I, um, I actually wanted to go to the Naval Academy first. Um, <laughs> after taking a trip to Annapolis when I was like in the seventh grade. Uh, but that didn't really work out. And um, at first, uh, West Point turned me down when I initially put my application in. Uh, uh, but luckily, there was a class of 66 grad uh, in Mississippi. That's where I'm originally from. And uh, he made some calls. And then West Point started to recruit me like I'd been I was getting recruited by a bunch of SEC uh, teams, but I really wanted to go to West Point. So I got accepted to go to the prep school and then uh, got to prep school. One of my coaches at prep school was actually uh, Anthony Noto, 
uh, which which is pretty cool. Um, who went on to be like work at uh, Goldman Sachs and the NFL, and now like the CEO of SoFi, I believe. So um, that was an interesting time. But I will tell you the best thing about playing football uh, at West Point. And I've, I've had an interesting athletic career because, you know, I eventually went to Oregon State. I played football there and, and I went and tried out with the Niners. But the best group of men that I've ever played the sport with were all the guys that I played football with at West Point. Right. Just, yeah. Um, just, you know, just to have that that background when you were at West Point. Right. And then when you went on to Oregon State, you probably took a lot of what you learned at West Point and brought it to Oregon State, I imagine. Right. And it, the, the culture, the, the culture from West Point kind of lives on. It seems like with uh, former players and to now. I mean, you get there's there's no gap there, right, Will? I mean, your son was a f- recent football player at Army, and it's just like there's a bond from guys who played in the in in the glory days of you know when Army was chasing national championships to guys who play currently, and uh, it's just incredible when everybody gets together and the stories that can be shared. That's exactly right, Sal. And I, you know, I would just share a quick story because it it relates to how Achilles and I connected. Of course, I had followed Achilles' great success in Army football, and you know, Achilles and Joe Ross were also teammates. And I was very fortunate that in 1994, I was a young Ranger lieutenant, but I was brought back to accompany the regimental commander as he spoke to the team before Army Navy game. And that was for the 94 season that I uh, believe that was Joe Ross and, you know, his senior year. And it was just a, a great group of, of, of men that really embodied what Army football is all about. And the records don't matter. And I think that is a that is a continuation. And then years later, you mentioned my son. When my son was playing Ar- Army football during this great revival, thanks to Coach Mumpkin and, and, and what he's done to turn around the team, they were sitting around the training room with Tim Kelly, who has been part of Army football since 1987. And one of the, the contemporary players asked Tim Kelly, who's the best Army football player since you've been here? And he said, yeah, there, there are guys that have won some great awards, you know, right? from, from Mike Mayweather to Rodriguez, to others. But he said the guy who could play almost any position on the field and would be like a classic 1930s football player is Achille King. So my son called me and said, hey, Dad, do you know Achille King? I only said, well, I only know of him. I don't know him yet. And it was great serendipitous that uh, one of our mutual teammates from Achille and I, one of these bridge guys, you know, between my last year in 89 and Achille's first year in 90. One or ninety-two, Chuck Gibbs. I was able to connect with Achille, and then now Achille and I work together for Soldiers of the Sidelines. So to me, that's just a great example of the brotherhood. It's uh, you know remaining aware of the folks that followed you or that preceded you and that and that follow you. We're all from the same cloth. Achille, when uh, you first connect with Will Huff, what are what are your what are your first impressions? And uh, I guess like we talked about, the link of Army football kind of kind of bonds at first, right? But then there there's so much more to that. Well, I think it was it was an easy link up because uh, when I got out of the Army in 2014, uh, I actually Chuck Gibbs had asked me before I got out would I come help him coach football in Arizona at the time. And so uh, Chuck and I spent two and a half, almost three years coaching a high school football team together. 
Uh, and he's probably one of the best coaches that I've ever worked with. So when, when he goes, Hey, AK, um, I want you to talk to Will Huff about social society lines. I was like, yeah, not a problem. Right. Cause that's the level of trust there. Um, that, that's, that has gone past our playing years time. Like I hadn't talked to Chuck when the last time I saw Chuck was like in 1993, right after he, cause he was my GA at West Point. Um, and you move almost 20 years down the road, I'm coaching football with him. And when he makes a, uh, a referral, so to speak, you, you just listen. Right. And, and, the other cool part is Will and I have worked in some of the same organizations, like in active duty military, which is another bond. Like we both were in range regiment. So that was that was a very, very easy ask uh, when I connected with Will. Gotcha. Maybe we could talk a little bit about your guys uh, football memories at West Point. Um, you know, Will, you talked about the Sun Bowl team and I'm just thinking, you know, the, the last game of that season against Alabama. That's a game that is taught. I still hear about that game. Um, and I still hear about, I, I believe Derek Thomas was on the opposite end, right? For Alabama. And growing up, I was kind of a Cardinal slash Chiefs fan at the time. And Derek Thomas was, when he came into the NFL, man, he was one of my favorite players, but just to, to, to read about and see highlights of what you got that game, that game that could have gone either way. I mean, I don't, I don't want to – what are what are some of your favorite favorite memories as a football player? Well, thanks, Sal. And I, I think there's there there are many aspects of that Sumball experience that I could share, and I'll just really focus on three. Number one is that Roger Staubach was the guest speaker for the luncheon, and Staubach was scheduled long before anyone knew in the Sunball who was going to play, whether it was Army versus Alabama or some other teams. And Roger Staubach that day did an amazing job of really capturing the Academy Football Brotherhood. And he said it very well when Roger said, there's nobody more that I want to beat than Army, but it's a brotherly rivalry. And there's nobody who I root for against Army. And to the surprise of many of those Alabama fans, Roger Staubach stated publicly that he was, you know, Army's his number two team. And there's a relationship that he has with Raleigh Stitchway that goes back all the way to the early 1960s, which is amazing. It's amazing, this bond. And that's something that we have continued to cultivate and soldier the sidelines with our Commander in Chief Trophy Series, where we bring together veterans that have played in this great rivalry, get them together. In fact, we just had Vince McBeth and Terry Mackey. Vince was the captain of the 1986 Navy team, and Terry was the captain of the 1987 Air Force team. And They had never met each other. They had only played against each other. So there's a bond that certainly exceeds. So that's number one, the impact of Starback. Number two was a guy like Derek Thomas who blocked you know, a field goal and an extra point that ultimately prevented us from winning the game. But interesting that folks may not know is Derek Thomas' father was a pilot, an Air Force pilot in Vietnam that was lost in service. He was lost. He was killed in combat. And when Derek Thomas recorded those NFL record-setting six sacks, the, uh, there was a ceremony where they flew the missing wing formation prior to that game against the Seahawks in honor of Derek Thomas's father. So Derek Thomas was a first-class individual and, you know, tragically taken away. And then I guess lastly, it kind of shows – you know, the, the, the linkage of 
uh, service and football. One of the guys who I played against personally was a guy named Chris Robinette, whose dad was a uh, army pilot stationed at uh, Fort Rucker. And, you know, Robinette and I still stay in contact to this day. And, you know, he was very influenced as an, as an army brat and very proud to play uh, Alabama football. But that that's just part of the uniqueness. So those are the three things I just want to share. The Staubach legacy, a little inside of Derek Thomas, and then just this this bond that we felt with many of the Alabama football players. Although we wanted to beat them, uh, there was this real true mutual respect. Achille, what are some of your memories, uh, favorite memories as an Army football player? I will tell you, you know, starting out at West Point and then going to like Oregon State, it was packed 10 then. Here's what I really took with me. Um, three to four yards of play and yards after contact. Um, <laughs> and we had to hit on Tuesday and Wednesday if you wanted to play on Saturday, right? Like that was hard-nosed football Um that you just didn't get anywhere else. I, I, I remember we were playing uh, Boston College and uh, I probably had one of the best O-lines uh, ever, you know, especially with three to four yards of play, you're gonna get a first down eventually, but um, watching the O-line block the D-linemen and linebackers uh, at Boston College, I've never heard a defense whine so much in my life. Like they were just like, you can't play that way. I'm like, well, it's army football, buddy. And it, it was, it was just really hard. Those old school football that, that um, when I got out to, to the pac 10, I was like, well, they're fast, but they're not really mean or tough. Right. It, it was just a totally different style of football. And, and it really like influenced how I ran and how I played, more importantly, how I practice, right? And that's and that's something that that like I've taken with me throughout my life. Like if you, you practice the right way, when it comes time to perform, you don't have to think about it. You just execute. Uh, and that's probably one of the big. That's what I remember the most. Really was again <laughs> three to four yards of play, yards after contact, and uh, <laughs> you better practice on Tuesday and Wednesday. So uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, and coaches, even today, it, it still lives on, right? Coaches today are still complaining about the way Army, uh, the cut blocking of Army or the blocking of the offensive line. Miami of Ohio's Chuck Martin came out and had like a 15-minute like <laughs> dissertation on cut blocking uh, before the Army game, trying to get, I guess, the officials maybe to call a couple. Uh, yeah, so it, it still lives on. Um, so real quick, if you guys could talk about your service in, in, in the Army after West Point and, and how, how you – how lessons you learned on the football field, maybe moved on to your military service and active duty as an, as, as officer. Sal, thanks. And I will, I will kick that off. You know, there were a couple of lessons that, you know, I learned during my time from my teammates uh, and from various individuals to include a fellow named Tex Turner, who back in the late eighties headed up the department of military instruction and I'll never forget, we were having a, a tough time in 1987 and Tex came in to speak to the team and he just talked about, now here was a guy who played as a plebe, uh, played JV as a sophomore, never suited up for a varsity football game, 
um, and then was cut before his junior year. But he talked about the impact of Army football, even those two years that he had. And he said it was a way of life and a state of mind. And I thought that was a great leadership lesson that when we were two and four, who was there? Tex Turner. You know, the following year when we were eight and one, Tex was in this, you know, he was in the background. And that's a great lesson for leadership that when things get tough is when you need to be present. And when things are going well, you know, you let other people take the credit. But I always, you know, learned that lesson from from Tex Turner. And then just lastly, some of the things that that Coach Young used to talk to us. And number one was about present moment. You've got to focus on the present moment. And that's very relevant for, you know, the battlefield. Things are going to, everything's going to ebb and flow, but focus on the present moment. Don't obsess over past failures or even successes. Be in the moment, present moment. Number two is individual accountability. Everybody has a job to do. And that was something Coach Young really emphasized for us. We understood our role. So whether you were the scout team player you were a special teams player, you were a backup player, or you were a starter. You know, you were the Ben Barnett who was going to get 15 carries and Mike Mayweather. Like, you knew your role. So that was very important, individual accountability. And then lastly was team always. You were going to be asked to do things. You know, we had guys that were asked to change positions, to do something that benefited the team. And those three lessons I really took into the Army. Present moment, individual accountability, and team always. Thanks, Al. Achille, what did you kind of take from your West Point days into your professional professional life after, you know, after West Point? I would I would really to kind of like follow up with Will said is the way of life and state of mind. Right. So, um, you know, after trying out with the Niners, um, I actually ended up enlisting in the Army. Right. With the Ranger contract. And and at the time, I think all, most of my classmates were, were captains in the Army, and I came back in as a private first class. Uh, and I showed up at Ranger Regiment as a 35-year-old spec four, right? Like, I was older than my platoon sergeant, right? But um, the way a life and state of mind gave me, like, really, I said, hey, you know, I had to learn what it meant to be a Ranger. Uh, and Ranger Regiment and having the humility to learn from a 19 year old kid at 20. Like my first team leader was 19 years old. Right? <laughs> like, like, yeah, this 19-year-old kid, but you know what? Like he'd been in Ranger Regiment for seven months longer than I had. So you know what? I listened, I learned, I became a great machine gunner. Um and be able to do your job when you have to do it because you know it's uh the football field is one thing, but uh, deploying with the president is a whole different and, and having that mindset in terms of, and again, the big thing that we did a lot of uh, was practice at regiment, right? If there was downtime, you're practicing, you're training, right? Uh, because you don't have time to think, right, when, when you're deployed. So that probably was the biggest takeaway. Again, the way of life and state of mind of being an Army football player really translated well uh, in the Ranger Regiment. We just had a recent podcast um, remembering the life of uh, General Ray Odierno. And I was wondering um, if, uh, Will, do you have any uh, any memories or thoughts on, on General Odierno that you could share with us? I know that, you know, just the pot, it was an emotional podcast that we had um, last week and just remembering um, all just the incredible person he was. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was very fortunate that during times in Iraq, I was able to 
get time with General Ordierno. And I was in a unique assignment at the time with the Asymmetric Warfare Group. And General Ordierno was an amazing individual. He always remained incredibly humble and in that he would listen to subordinates. He wanted to hear from the soldiers, the sergeants, the company grade officers. He never uh, lost sight of listening to people. And I always was always common, but I thought that that was a, a great attribute. And then I always appreciated, you know, one of his key deputies at the time was JT Thompson, who, you know, back in the early, uh, even before me, JT was part of that, the resurrection of army football. So you had this great, you know, lineage, you had general Ordierno, you also had general Rodriguez, who was a army football player. You had guys like JT Thompson. So, you know, the, the lineage of Army football continues on to this day. And I think, uh, you know, today's active duty service members in that Army football brotherhood continues to live up to the George uh, Marshall mantra of, you know, requiring Army football players to, to play a critical role. And that's going to include, you know, this coming weekend against Wake Forest, where the current CG at 82nd Airborne, Chris Thani, who is also a former Army football player. And I know that has always shaped his his career, and he has the opportunity to uh, come up to the game against Wake Forest this weekend. Yeah, that's going to be something else on a Saturday. Uh, we'll be up there. We'll have the coverage. And, uh, man, it, it probably bring back a lot of memories for you, got, for you guys. You know, you know, last week against Wisconsin, right, was a big game for Army. This week against Wake Forest is a big game. And when and when like Kelly, when you were talking about the Boston College, the game against Boston College, right, where they're like, you know, you know, cursing out uh, how the blocking and stuff like that, you know, it's just, you know, that shows. Um, I think what Wisconsin showed last week is that Army can basically play with anybody, right, physically, right. I mean, because everybody thought the offensive line was going to not both of the lines of Wisconsin was going to knock Army off the ball and just dominate the game. Well, the defense really held their own against that Wisconsin offensive line and the offense kind of figured it out in the fourth quarter. You know, they kind of got it all together in the fourth quarter. Maybe it was a little too, a little too late as far as that happened. But I mean, to play and that had to be the mantra too, when you guys played, right. Play to your, the last snap of the game, right. The game is never over play to the last snap. And that's what army did last week. I don't know if that was kind of Achilles during your day too, if that was something that was really stressed. Oh, it, it most definitely was, but like it didn't. And the kids today are bigger than the kids when we were playing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've I've seen those kids, and, and they're a little bit bigger than than the guys when we were playing. But that mindset, right? Of you play until the whistle blows, right? Um, and I guarantee you, those guys from Wisconsin will remember that game against Army, right? They're gonna remember. Right, because they're probably they're probably pretty sore all week, right? Just because of how hard um, our guys played. Yeah, there was there was no backing down in that game, no doubt. We'll see what happens on Saturday against Wake Forest, but well, maybe we can get a little bit of uh, soldiers to the sidelines now and what you guys are, what your mission is, what you guys are trying to accomplish. I know you have something pretty important coming up when uh, Army and Air Force uh, play down in uh, Arlington, Texas, in the. Uh, it, in, a, in a few weeks, actually, that game's coming pretty pretty fast. Talk to us a little bit about what um, Soldiers to the Sidelines is all about. 
Great. Th- thanks for asking, Sal. Uh, you know, Soldiers of the Sidelines, we're a nonprofit organization that supports veterans, service members, and military spouses into athletic coaching and the sport coaching to serve their, their community. We have four sport line of efforts that include football, basketball, lacrosse, and sport performance. And over the last 15 months, we've grown exponentially. And now we have over 550 soldier coaches through 42 states, including six service members stationed abroad. We're really excited about our momentum going into the future. And one of the things that we do is this ongoing remote learning. You know, COVID was a blessing for Soldiers of the Sideline because it forced us to go to a virtual model. And now we're able to reach out. And that's how we have this vast number of soldier coaches, not only throughout the continental U.S., but also those stationed abroad. And we're going to continue that on. The New York Jets is one of our great supporters, and we're having a both a virtual seminar coming up in, uh, in November, the week of Veterans Weekend, as well as being hosted by the New York Jets as part of the USO Salute the Service, where the NFL, during the Veterans Week, uh, all the teams and the entire league is uh, – working with the USO does a salute the service and we're very honored and humbled to be sponsored and hosted by the New York Jets for their game on November 14th versus the Buffalo Bills. So I would just share for the audience that that's listening today, you know, soldiers of the sidelines again, we we serve veteran service members, military spouses to get in the coaching. Uh, we have a website www.soldiersofthesidelines.org. We are continuing to grow, you know, we see over the next 12 24 months to not only solidify the four sports that I spoke about, but look at some other opportunities. And it's really only possible because of organizations. You know, you mentioned Higher Echelon with Joe Ross. Like Higher Echelon is also a sponsor of Soldiers of the Sidelines, Wounded Warrior Project, the New York Jets Foundation, Prudential, John Deere. We're just very, very grateful to organizations as well as individuals because as a nonprofit, we, we truly depend on that individual philanthropy. And to be candid, you know, the Army Football Brotherhood has been a great supporter of Soldiers of the Sidelines. And this past year, we've also made connections and will continue to grow into the Navy Football Brotherhood and the Air Force Football Brotherhood. Although we want to beat them, just like any brotherly rivalry, at the end of the day, they're, they're no different. Achilles talked about he almost you know, went to the Naval Academy. Uh, so I, I think almost every Army football player uh, also considered one of the other two academies. So there's not a big difference between our experiences. And uh, we at Soldiers of the Sidelines have the benefit of bringing everybody together. And as you mentioned, you know, prior to the Army uh, Air Force game, we're very fortunate to have both Anthony Noto from Army football and Greg Johnson from Air Force Academy, who I have to admit, Greg beat me my senior year. He was a tailback and he was an all whack running back and still third all time leading scorer for Air Force. And he's very humble. But the beauty of what we're doing in Soldiers of the Sidelines is we are unified behind this effort. So we're going to have Noto and Johnson on that week before the Air Force game. And then before Army Navy, we're having uh, Troy Lingley, who was my captain of the 88 team, that Sun Bowl team, and a guy named Mark Pimpo from Air Force. So we're really excited about, you know, harnessing the all all the academy football players and all the other academy athletes and veterans getting behind soldiers to sidelines so thanks sal achille talk about your role with soldiers uh soldiers to the sidelines uh national uh ambassador program director um talk about what 
what your role is with with the organization. Well, what we've learned, you know, the, the that's a long title, but at the end of the day, what it really means is we do have national level partnerships, which is great. But what we've learned is you have to have a local center of influence, right, in the communities that that really connects with those coaches, those school systems. Um, and the parents of the kids that, that we're coaching. So uh, we're working to build out kind of like a, an army of soldier ambassadors to be the boots on the ground for soldiers to sidelines. Well, maybe you could uh, just talk us through a little bit of the process of how um, you were able to get, you know, you have now, you said 550 um, coaches that, were former military that are now uh, involved in your organization. Is it just a matter of um, how, how, how did you put that, put that kind of group together? So to speak. That's a great question, Sal. And what we really started with, and as Achille talked about was identifying the right partnerships. So what we were able to do early on is connect with organizations like the USO, like Wounded Warrior Project, and through those networks, we were able to raise awareness of our of our program. And our program starting in 2020 became this virtual model where we do a Monday through Friday, finish up on Saturday, a couple hours each evening. And that that validity was really proven by the folks that we've had attend. Um, some of the talent, I'll just give you a brief example, Sal. During our last football seminar, the initial welcoming was given by Pat Fitzgerald, head coach at Northwestern. Uh, we then had a subsequent uh, presentation from Mac Brown at University of North Carolina. Uh, the Washington Football Club, Ron Rivera, who, you know, in, in, in Ron's case, he was a military brat. In Mac Brown's case, he went on a USO tour 10 years ago. And in, in his words, it changed his life. And he is incredibly supportive. So we have just we, we have found that the coaching community really stands behind this effort. There's also this this opportunity. So while we talk about these collegiate and uh, professional coaches, our sweet spot is still at that community level. So what's been great is, you know, the majority of these 550 soldier coaches are at the youth community level. And that's where we want to continue. But we also love to have this support from you know, the Pat Fitzgeralds, Ron Rivera's, the Mac Browns. It's been incredible. The Bob Stoops. So that's where we are. And we're going to continue on. And we're really excited about 2022. Yeah, Kelly, you were, I mean, coming out of the military, right? You went to coach at, at football and you you had that experience. And I mean, that's got to help. That experience probably helps you maybe convey the, the message that you guys are trying to get across a little bit and trying to get, um, you know, I, I'm guessing you're looking to grow and have more, um, you know, military um, guys who are got guys or ladies who are getting out of the military to get out on the to get involved in the community and get involved with kids and, and be and be coaches. I think you're exactly right. When I got out, um, it, it's really funny. I showed up at it was Scottsdale Christian uh, School in Scottsdale, and it's really funny because I still was kind of. Uh, like I had a real military mindset at the time, right? Um, and that gave me really like a six-month period of time to kind of just decompress 
by pouring into these young athletes, right? Um, and, and they weren't like the best athletes in the world. I don't think anybody went to college on a on an athletic uh, scholarship, but being able to give those young athletes a different perspective was uh, it not only empowered me, but empowered them, but it empowered me to kind of like adjust. It helped me adjust to not be the uh, angry ranger when I got out of the army, right? So, uh, <laughs> so being able to to help those kids out, they're not soldiers, and you have to understand that. But the same lessons apply from a leadership standpoint that you can share with these athletes. Something that they can take beyond the sports field uh, was really important. So absolutely, and uh, you know. On this podcast, we've had a couple of former players, some that are, are recent grads. I uh, had on Darnell Wolfolk last week, and he was saying that maybe down the road, maybe a strength um, and conditioning coach for a, a college football program once he's done with his military service might be. I know Ryan England. We had I had a conversation with Ryan England, a safety on on one on the recent. Uh, successful team saying that hey when he's done maybe that's something that he wants to do i think that you know maybe the this is a little bit off subject maybe but the college football world you know you look at army grads who are coaches and you can't really the list is not super long right there guys are out there trent steelman's out there at eastern kentucky uh reno is out there at syracuse uh mike vd is the fullbacks coach at west point uh ben Kotwika had a had a long nfl career um as an assistant coach but there are not a lot of guys out there and I don't know if there's anything within your organization that might be able to help them out with the transition. Maybe that's, maybe that's not one at this moment. Maybe that's not one of your organization's focuses will, but um, how do you think is it, is there, can that gap be bridged a little bit where guys who want to get out once they're done with their military service and want to still give back to the game and feel like they can, they can be you know successful as whether it be coaches or personnel guys there's been a bunch of guys that have come back in the personnel department for army um ray maples is one recently um just uh wondering uh, what your thoughts on that Sal, you really hit off all those you know the the current west point army uh brotherhood that i'm aware of as well and in fact i was at towson university with with reno so he's a great illustration so the answer you're your question is yes any of those army grads that are looking to, to to navigate the career pathway whether that's at the collegiate level like a reno like a mike vd uh i, I think reno's a little different because he went to the non-academy path and that is uh more more challenging but i think it also provides a unique opportunity where you're evaluated as a veteran is really more unique you know we we candidly don't have the number of coaches like the air force academy has you know their staff when you look at uh troy calhoun's staff there's a significant number of air force graduates and that that decision was made you know 40 years ago by ken hatfield and fisher DeBerry. so there's a reason why air force has a bunch of coaches out there it's because of their staff and if you look at the army staff you know, besides mike Vitti. There is no one. So that that's a institutional decision made by the respective academies. And I think Navy probably splits between Air Force, which has about six graduates, Army that has one. Navy's probably in the middle with R.B. Green and a, and a few other guys. But for those yeah. West Point graduates out there looking to get into coaching, you know, we certainly will will facilitate. But again, our sweet spot is not the collegiate path. 
although we have these, you know, networks per se, we really want to help folks that are serving back in their local community, whether that's, that's at Scholastic Youth Middle School. Not to say that we're not going to help out those looking to get into the collegiate path. That may be a little future down the road. So I don't know if my answer was what was sufficient, but I think it, if you look at what Air Force Academy's done, that has been a conscious decision that has certainly paid off. I forgot to mention Tony Coaxum. Tony Coaxum is co- coaching at uh, a Bluefield and he's a head coach. And Tony is a guy who coached corners at West Point. And so uh, Tony is a friend of the podcast. I, I got to get Tony uh, Tony's name out there. Got to put some respect on Tony's name. He's doing a great job. He's revitalizing a program out there. You know, he's bringing back football to that school. And I uh, had him on the podcast uh, earlier in our early stages, and he's just doing a great job building. He's doing what West what's done at West Point. He's building men a character there, right? And I mean, that's um, and you can and Achille, you can do that, like you said, when you were at um, when you were in Scottsdale and coaching at the at the high school level. That's a big part of building character in in men, and um, that that can be done at all levels, right? Yes, yes so certainly want want We definitely want to give a shout out to Tony. Tony was one of the first folks to volunteer for his services back to soldier the sidelines even before he got to bluefield state so we are very proud to call tony coxum a soldier coach yeah Kelly, i don't know uh, if you can uh, just go into like building the, the how character plays into this to this coaching and this uh soldiers to the sidelines and kind of that 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 mission there well, you know, if, if you looked at it from, a, let's say, a 50,000-foot view level, it would be really awesome to have a soldier coach on every sideline or, or court in the nation uh, to help transfer that knowledge around character and leadership development, right? It's, uh, it's something that all the services have, right? When you start talking about the values, every service has a value, uh, value statement and that are relevant to what happens on the field or on the court and off the court. Um, and so as we can continue to develop the situation, that's kind of like the North star um, and azimuth for me as, as the director of ambassadors to, to, to put coaches on the sidelines Right, that understand how important character and leadership development is for the next generation of leaders for this country. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, such such a you guys are doing a great job. Um, the organization, please follow it. Will, if you can give us the information one more time for people that are listening that want to um get 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 more insight on what you guys are doing. Thanks, Sal. Again, for folks that want to learn more, please visit our website at www soldiers the sidelines and that's all one word dot org take a look at what we have going on we'd love to get your support you know attend some of our events and start to get a, a firsthand a appreciation so thanks again sal and you know just uh love what you're doing and both achille and i are very proud members of the brotherhood thank you yeah we appreciate you guys coming on uh today to talk about your, your past experiences, West Point football players, your time in the military and uh, soldiers to the sidelines. Check their website out for more information. And uh, 
please check out our website. Uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll see uh, podcasts like this one with former uh, players. Uh, Darnell Wolfolk is a recent one, like I mentioned. Here, Will Health and Achille King. Lots of great stories. Um, we had a tribute to um, General Ray Odierno that, man, was a real tearjerker for me. Uh, that was a that was a, if you want to listen to um, a podcast about a great man and how many people he touched, that's a podcast to listen to. Please uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel and also follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We have all we have pages Black Knight Nation and um, even have shirts out there. If you guys want a Black Knight Nation T-shirt, they're on our website. You can purchase some Black Knight Nation T-shirts. Achille and Will, we appreciate your time today. Thanks so much and look forward to talking to you down the road.